It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, we got a question on Twitter from Bengals John, and Joe said, this is a podcast topic, and I said, deal. And, and the podcast topic that we're going to talk about today is going to actually kick off a series, I think, of what is fair to expect for Joe Burrow, maybe, and, and what do you want out of Joe Burrow as the number one overall draft pick? And the question was... If Burrow essentially had Cam Newton's career, stats aside, but in terms of achievements, in terms of longevity, would you be happy? Would you be disappointed? And and it's a bit of a nuanced answer. So we're going to take a look comparing him to the standard of Cam Newton today. And then we will, as promised, yesterday we read the scouts' takes on some of the top offensive players in the draft. Today, we will get into that on the defensive side of the ball. That's Bob McGinn over at The Athletic. That'll be part two. Then in the final segment of the show, a lot of you know that Joe and I, Joe started this many years ago, and I started it a couple of years ago now, doing a shadow team, a shadow draft team. And we'll explain what that is, how you can do it in part three of the show today. But first, let's talk about this comparison of the career trajectory of Cam Newton to our expectations and hopes for Joe Burrow with the number one overall draft pick. In pondering this question of whether Cam Newton's career trajectory is something that we should hope for for Joe Burrow or something that we would be okay with, something that would be what you would expect for a first-round draft pick, there are a lot of different ways you could take that question. In this case, I think the most important thing is you have to separate the types of player that Cam Newton is from the type of player that Joe Burrow is because so much of Cam Newton's value came from his legs, came from his running ability. He has never been a hyper-efficient passer, his career completion percentage below 60%, but he has clearly added a lot of value, winning the MVP in 2015, taking the Panthers to a 15-1 record that year. He's never had quite the team around him that Andy Dalton did in Cincinnati, so you could say, well, He never quite had all the tools. If he had been on the Bengals in 2015, how much better is that team? Or how do they compare with the Panthers? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the comparison with Joe Burrow. And Joe, Goodberry, co-host Joe, where do you start on this comparison? I think first, looking at Cam's career as a whole with the Panthers, because it may or not 
may or may not be done yet, right? We don't know if another team's going to pick him up and what the next five years may hold for Cam Newton. So looking at it only for the Panthers, because that's how we're going to, you know, do a one for one here. If, if Joe Burrow left after nine years, I think that would be somewhat of a disappointment just right off the bat, because longevity is the first thing I look at because the accolades are there. I think the um, achievements are there for Cam Newton, and I would want those. I'd want the MVP. I'd want the Pro Bowls. I'd want him to be the most successful quarterback in franchise history. Sure, the Panthers' history is half what the Bengals is, but he was an icon there. He was a league face. He was somebody that rallied the entire city to really embrace the Panthers more than they did before. And I think those are all good things that I would want. It's just when you get to that eight-year mark and then that's it, I that's where I get paused and say, okay, I want all of those other things. I want the longevity. I think eight years is the bare minimum for a guy that is, number one, successful and a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think that I'm with you. Like, If the question is, would you take the career arc of Cam Newton for Joe Burrow, you have a Super Bowl appearance out of it. You have a league MVP out of it. You have three years of 11-plus wins. I would take that, but I would be disappointed if the Bengals' outcome over the next eight years after drafting Joe Burrow is only three years with a winning record. And that's not all on Cam Newton. It's not even close to all on Cam Newton. The Carolina Panthers had some very flawed football teams. But when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal and he's as good as Joe Burrow could be, then my hopes are higher. I would take it because for Bengals fans, we are dying for a playoff win right now. But in terms of what my expectation is, I think my expectation is the Bengals should be better over the next eight years with Joe Burrow at the helm than three winning seasons that Cam Newton had with the Carolina Panthers. One honor we didn't mention was that Cam Newton won the 2011 Rookie of the Year. And that 2011 class is going to go down as one of the best of all time with multiple Hall of Fame candidates. And he still have, probably has a chance to be one of them, too. When you, I know his passing numbers are very similar to Andy Dalton. Uh, but his rushing numbers is, are what made him the difference-making player at quarterback, the MVP uh, player that he was. And I think getting that part also, I mean, if the Bengals, this roster, got a rookie of the year performance out of Joe Burrow in 2020, they could make the playoffs, especially now that seven teams are going to make it from each conference. Uh, that's part of it, too. Instant success, instant gratification for that number one pick is part of the factor and makes it a little more enticing. And I would be ecstatic if Joe Burrow won Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I think that he has a very good chance of doing that. But if you really dig into Cam's numbers, he was very turnover-prone as a rookie. In fact, it was tied for his most turnover-prone year as a pro, as you would expect from a rookie. But I'm hoping for a step forward in terms of quarterback play, as you mentioned, Joe, and a step forward at quarterback play for the Bengals means a little bit more passing efficiency than we got from camp. So yes, rookie of the year, absolutely. But the Panthers only won six games that year. Do we want more wins in six games in Joe Burrow's first year? I'm, I'm shooting for a 500 season. They got to the playoffs in Andy Dalton's first year, given much more stacked roster. But got to have some high expectations for a number one draft pick. I don't want to take away Cam's rushing ability, right? Because I think 
if you have that offensive output, that's really what we're looking for at the end of the day. I don't care how it happens. And Burrow can move a little bit. He's not Cam Newton, obviously. But Cam accumulated 4,700 yards that rookie year and 35 total touchdowns. I mean, give me that in some form or fashion. I don't care if they only win six games. That's, that's at least instant exciting football. And I think getting back to fun football is a major part of where I want the Bengals to go with Joe Burrow. However they do it. If it's fun, I'm into it. The last season was not fun. It was a grind. Nobody enjoyed watching the Bengals for 16 games last year. Many of you probably didn't watch the Bengals for 16 games last year. I know that this podcast was infinitely more entertaining than the Bengals. I'm not going to go. Well, no, I am going to go that far. That's probably true. Uh, Kendrick did have 14 rushing touchdowns. That's what you're pointing out with this total touchdowns. That's a lot of rushing touchdowns for a quarterback. Still, if you're comparing Cam to what I hope for for Burrow, I'd take it, but I wouldn't be satisfied because that would mean some other things have gone wrong. I want Burrow to be healthier. And I, I, I listened a little bit to Matt Miller. They did a, what would you do mock draft today on the, uh, stick to football. Is it? I don't remember what the podcast is called. Um, but they, they said, you know, they don't think Joe Burrow can be better than a top 10 quarterback Hmm. because they're sitting there thinking in a league with Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, how can he be better? Well, coming into the league, did, did anyone think that those guys were going to be the best quarterback in the NFL? Watson, where they were drafted. Watson's report sounds a lot like Burroughs in a lot of ways. And and now, I think that there would be detractors for Watson if you were to call him a top five quarterback because Drew Brees is still out there. Tom sure. Brady's still out there. But a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, he's Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan doesn't really move the needle for me. Well, what's your standard at that point? I, I think Matt Ryan's the floor for him because Matt Ryan's not the creator that Burrow is. No, I don't think Matt Ryan is as sharp and processes as quickly as Burrow does. Could. So, like, those are two advantages that I think separate Matt Ryan from Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Exactly. Great. Perfect. Let's get into some defensive stuff. Some defensive scouts notes from Bob McGinn at The Athletic in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back with more Bob McGinn quotes from NFL scouts from around the league. This is on The Athletic. If you don't have a subscription, I believe it's free right now for a few months. So you might as well get one while you still can and enjoy the content, especially from Bob McGinn. He's been doing this for a long time. We did the offensive players yesterday. I think it got our... Brains going on a few guys, at least some offensive linemen. I went and watched Isaiah Wilson right after, after reading some of that stuff, um, just because I wanted to see him again. I remember watching him before, but I'm like, you know what? Let me go see and see if he could be picked at 33. And I don't think he can. I don't think he will be. But it did at least make me go back and watch a little more. So we're going to start with the defensive side or finish with the defensive side today. 
and start with the linebackers because that's the area of need. And there's three players here that they rank in the top 50, top 50 players. I just want to be sure on that. All right. First one here, Kenneth Murray. And the quote goes, looks like a Greek god, said one scout. But I don't know how he goes in the top 50 other than if you draft by look. Super kid. There are some athletic flashes, but I hate watching players from the Big 12, defensive players from the Big 12. If you're taking him, you're taking him on traits. I was very disappointed. And uh, they go on to say he ran a 4-5-3 at a 38-inch vert, uh, 10-8 broad, which is all fantastic in terms of traits. Another scout goes, top 25, definitely. He can fly, sideline to sideline, plays hard, inside. He tries to take on. He's just not the strongest. He's more of a slip and dip type which I agree with. I, I saw that too. Uh, and then continues, which is what you're playing with now. Really good athlete. He covers well. And I think that really sums up the two sides of Kenneth Murray. He covers well. Well, in terms of, I think covers ground. That could be the way that I, would make more way, sense. Really good athlete covers well, you know, the kind Co- of covers say, ground. Well, yeah, because there's this misconception that if you're athletic at linebacker, you can cover, which uh, Kenneth Murray is a complete projection, which is what that first scout is saying. I hate watching defensive players from the Big 12. So do mm-hmm. I. They don't ask these guys to do anything. It's it's a complete projection to see what this guy's going to be like dropping into a deep part of a cover two. If he's in the Tampa two in the middle, you have no idea how Kenneth. I don't think Kenneth Murray did that once. At he's Oklahoma. a weak side. I would have him just covering flats and stuff. At least for the start of his career, for sure. You couldn't ask him to do middle of the field stuff. And at 242, both guys, I think to some extent, well, I guess only the second guy talks about it specifically, not the strongest. He, he's the guy that's big out of this right. draft class at linebacker. I would, I would want him to be a little bit more physical. And I know this sounds like I'm a hater on Kenneth Murray. I had some of the same criticisms of Devin Bush last year, you might remember. You mm-hmm. didn't see him do much, but you saw him cover more than you saw Kenneth Murray cover. Yep. Uh, it's just a projection. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and I said this today. I, uh, this is something that we, we might have to talk about next week. Denzel Mims versus Justin Jefferson, because over on the Bengals OBI podcast, they were talking about it. And both those guys, Anthony and John, both think that they would rather have Justin Jefferson than Denzel Mims for the Cincinnati Bengals. And And if you listen to this podcast, we've gone the other way on that because of how much better Jefferson was in the slot. But John made some pretty interesting points today. We're not talking about that today. It's just something we might come back to. And the reason I bring that up is because I think Jefferson is a huge projection to an outside receiver in the NFL. Just like I think Kenneth Murray, you have, you have no idea what you're getting. And that's exactly what the first guy is saying. You're picking him on traits. Yep. And that would be the same with Jefferson being an outside receiver. We will talk about that. Next is on Patrick Queen, who they have as the next linebacker. Makes sense to me. Quotes go, he's still young and developing. He wasn't even starting at the beginning of the year. They felt comfortable with Jacob Phillips making the calls, and this kid wasn't ready to do it. I think there's a real chance for the first round, especially with the pool, that which means the linebacker group isn't very great. Um, another scout comes in and says, Queen is not a good take-on guy now, meaning he doesn't like to take on blockers. I don't know that I agree with that, but I'll continue. He tries to avoid blocks. Best as a lateral space player, displays cover ability. He is a straight-line fast guy, said a third scout. Besides that, I don't think he does much well. He's not very athletic in space. He doesn't break down well. He misses a ton of tackles. In coverage, he kind of drops to spots. He's not a man cover athlete for being that size. I like his teammate Phillips better. 
And that's interesting. I bet you there's like a lot of old school scouts that like Jacob Phillips better. And maybe even, who's the other guy? Quarterman? Yeah. Is that his name? That's different team, but yeah, Shaquille Quarterman. No, no, no. There's an, okay, yeah. I'm thinking of Shaquille. Who's the other guy on LSU, the other linebacker? Because they have three linebackers in the draft this year. Maybe I'm wrong on the school there. And <laughs> I'm thinking of someone else, but. No, you're right. You're right. I might not even be this draft class. Quarterman? Is he last year? No, Quarterman's in this one. Okay. Regardless, I, I actually do agree with the scout that says he's not a good take on guy now. I, I think that he does try to avoid blocks. You don't see a lot of power in his game in terms of stack and shed. He he, he is adept, I think, at at, at at defeating blocks as 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 he does avoid them. But I do agree with that scout that says he's not a good take on guy now, but I think he has good hands. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that is, is pretty projectable for, for Queen. I also think that you actually do see him do a lot more varied responsibilities in the LSU defense. And just his ascension throughout the year was very impressive. Misses a ton of tackles. I don't know if I saw a lot of that. Yeah. I, I don't remember seeing that either. I can't Doesn't call break that off down the top well. of my head. I'm going to go look at the PFF draft guide while you talk about what you think of these takes. Yeah. I think they're kind of, uh, they're on the, the negative side of what I did see. I did see some of these things, but I guess he's, Part of the projection also. I actually like Queen a little bit more than Kenneth Murray because I think he does take on the blocks a little bit better. I think he defeats, handles blocks a little bit better, um, is more willing to do it. And I think you have to be when you're playing in the SEC and that defense and in those high high um, impact. No, I, what am I thinking of? The games at the end of the season that were very important, Jake, me, I'm good with English. High leverage. Thank you. But he, you have to do that. You have to be willing to sacrifice your body. And I thought Queen did on, a, on numerous plays. And that's really when he was playing a whole lot, too. He wasn't really playing at the beginning of the year, as that scout points out. If you want to talk about one-year wonders for quarterbacks, you definitely have to talk about it a little bit with Patrick Queen, who he didn't grade all that well for PFF, but I think a lot of that is sample size related because he wasn't really playing at the beginning of the year. Right. And I think you when you watch him and if you watch his, his tape in order – uh, you know, you see the development and you see that he wasn't starting early. He was unsure at times, and especially in the beginning. And there were still ways to trick him even late in the season. But uh, he got better and better. It's still, he has a lot of risk in his game. Um, his production numbers aren't great. And he wasn't starting and he wasn't calling the defensive huddle. I mean, there is enough there to say that if we look back in five years and be like, why did Patrick Queen, why didn't he work? Well, there's, we'll go back and look at these things. So PFF says that he's got a 13.7% missed tackle rate, which is exactly average for this uh, college qualified class. He's got a 65 run defense grade, which isn't great, 82 coverage grade, and a 68 pass rush grade. He is, however, up to 40th on the PFF big board. So the combine, he didn't really do much, but whatever the case may be, he ran... He ran his 40. He ran a 4-5-40. He had a really good 10-yard split. He had good jumps. So he tested athletically. That that helped, I guess, his uh, his profile for them. Should we move on to the next, Zach Bond? Yeah, real quick. His uh, his comparison for Mike Renner, Telvin Smith. I think that, that's what, what I thought when I watched him also. Um, so go. that makes a lot of sense. I also use Telvin Smith for Akeem Davis-Gaither, so uh, maybe I'm just uh, Telvin Smith happy. Uh, move on to Zach Bond, who's more of an edge linebacker, and those scouts will get into it also. They, the first quote goes starts off with, uh, Bond's main thing is pass rushing. That's where he had most of his success. Bond's an interesting guy. He can rush, he can drop, 
there's a scarcity at the position, but I don't think he has the serious juice to be a first rounder, even though he ran a four, six, eight, which is below average for a linebacker, but that's me putting that in. That's not the quote. Quote continues. I didn't see that in him talking about his uh, off the ball ability because he did that at the senior bowl. He's physical enough. I saw him more as a three, four outside or strong side and a four, three. He and Utah's Bradley and I are very similar. Good with hands, smart, active, productive, very versatile, good athlete, got burst, and speed. He sets up the edge really well. I like him a lot. And then they mentioned that his Wonderlick was a 24, which is good. So they, they compare him to Bradley and I, who the only thing they might have in common is if they both have good hand usage, great. Because as athletes, they could not be farther apart. In terms of their builds, they couldn't be farther apart. In terms of their play style, I, I just... I don't see that parallel very easily. I think that Anai was very impressive at the Senior Bowl, which is honestly all I've seen from him. But he wasn't winning with athleticism. He was winning by being a technician. Yeah, and he's not as big as Bond at all. I mean, yeah. six, Bradley Anai is 6'3", 257 with 32-inch arms, which is guys with 32 and below-inch arms is very, very rare to find him be a good pass rusher. Carl Lawson is one of the couple in the NFL that are um, that have ever done anything. So Anai's got that against him, whereas as Bond shouldn't have those issues. I'm, I'm pulling up Bond right now. But uh, I think Bond was, yes, and he's listed as a linebacker, 6'2", 238. So more dense with 32 and three quarters, which gives him just the edge and passes him on the threshold. Yeah, I would be very happy with Zach Bond. But the, the way that it seems to keep breaking down in all the mock drafts that we see, Joe, is there's somebody – that will be there at 33 that we're going to want. And we'll see if mm-hmm. the Bengals want him too, or if they're going to want to trade back. Speaking of players that we want, we do our shadow teams every year. And we're out of time to talk about Bob McGinn's scouting report. So if you're interested in some of the other defensive positions, go check it out on the athletic and find Bob McGinn's post about the scouts quotes on defensive players. We'll be back in just a minute to tell you how to make your own shadow team. And we'll talk a little bit about our own. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Shadow teams, what is it? And you'll hear us mention it a lot, especially over the next month and then after the draft. You'll hear or you'll see people commenting towards us or at us about their shadow teams. And if you're wondering what that is, you don't want to be left behind. Well, this is the episode for you to figure out if this is something you'd be interested in and should you start it this year. And if not, and if you've already started it before, I am interested in your team. And I appreciate when those get sent to me more than mock drafts and fantasy football squads right now because um you know I, I feel like i helped usher this in for Bengals fans i've been doing this i think i'm looking at my roster right now 20 yeah so 2011 was the first year i did a shadow team and here's what you do okay so the premise and the idea is you're going to draft a team to build a roster and you're going to draft players that you want during the actual draft okay so if that guy's on the clock he's available you can choose to draft him 
it's more fun if you can get it done during that time. I've had a hiccup on day two or day three before where I've had to go and not look at any of the results and jump in and try and go through the the you know website and keep my eyes level so I don't look too far below and try and draft honestly. And, and if you have to because you got something going on, that's okay too. But the idea is to draft during the draft and try and fill out a roster. Now, if you're just starting it this year, and I suggest this for anyone probably for the first three or four years, you can decide based on the quality of your drafting or roster, but you should probably take two picks per round. I suggested to start with picks 15 and 16 of every single round. So when that team gets on the clock, whoever picks 15 and 16 this year, I don't know who it is, uh, but when when they come on the clock, you're going to make your selection and you're going to start to build your roster out from there. And it's going to take years. I suggest opening up a spreadsheet on Google Docs. That's what I did. And just start typing in the players that you draft. And from there, it's going to take two or three, four years, but I'm at the point now where I can play a full season in Madden with my created team or my drafted team, my shadow team. And um, it's a blast to do that. But I've learned a lot of things and I've and I've implemented some new rules. But Jake, you're a few years into this now. Am I forgetting anything? I'm two years into it. And I think the start with 15 and 16 was something that wasn't the way you did it at your start, right? Uh, in my, I did 15 and 16 for like two years and then went to 10 and 20. Mm, okay. So I started with 15 and 16 my first year and you just can't get a quarterback if you go Sorry. 15 and 16. So, so the second year I did five and 15 and, uh, I didn't end up drafting a quarterback at five. I drafted Ed Oliver, which, um, I think Ed Oliver is going to be a good player. Uh, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a quarterback there that I wanted at that point, but, and I, and I drafted uh, Dwayne Haskins at 15. So I, I you still can't really get a quarterback there. So, it's hard. so, you, so this you've year, had one chance really lately, and that was Lamar Jackson if you wanted to. And a lot of people that I know that have started around that time did end up with Lamar Jackson. And that's, I mean, you're not going to get too many opportunities to do that again. That was 2018? Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, so I was... Harold Landry, Derwin James in the first round there. So it's just, you know, I felt like those were, I don't know. I, I, I probably should have pulled the trigger on Lamar Jackson after taking Derwin James because you had the back-to-back picks. So you can feel pretty good about it. But uh, this year, what I'm doing, I'm doing it differently because my team isn't very good right now. Like I literally do not have a center. I have one wide receiver on my roster that's in the NFL. I have like a few linebackers. My corner, my starting corners are okay. But it does take a few years, like Joe said. I want to give myself a chance, like expansion teams have, to actually get a quarterback. So treating this as if it was an expansion team, this year I'm taking the second pick and the 19th pick in each round. And so I get to pick at the top. I'm not going to get to pick Joe Burrow, most likely. No, I'm not going to get to pick Joe Burrow, but hmm. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to totally miss on quarterbacks, right? I get to decide: Do I want to take Tua? Do I want to roll the dice on Tua? Do I want to roll the dice on Justin Herbert? Do I want to wait until 34 and see if I can get one of these one of these other guys? So, uh, I think that if I were starting it, I would say you should have a top five pick, and you can use a uh, random number generator between one and five to pick which pick, and then roll a pick dice. a. Yeah, if you have a if you have a ten sided dice, roll a dice divided by two, or uh, roll a six sided dice and re roll ones or something, or re roll sixes. Roll it, just roll it, and if you get a six, then you end up picking six. Screw it. Okay, then a top six pick. 
Joe's a savage. And then I think you should do a pick somewhere between 15 and, and 22 is what we said this year. So again, roll your six, roll your, roll your dice and see what number you get and add it to 15, I guess. And, and then you have your picks and uh, you have a little bit more of a chance. Yeah. Maybe if you're lucky with it, because if you start at 15, 16, you're just, you're never getting a quarterback unless you get really lucky. Right. You have, you do have to get lucky in that scenario. And that's why I, after a couple of years, I went to 10 and 20. Um, I actually did get lucky with quarterback. I didn't draft one my first year. I don't think I'm rolling, scrolling to the right. Oh, I, I took a Ricky Stanzi in the fourth round of 2011. So I just took a shot in the dark to see if anyone would hit 2012. I took another shot in the dark in round three and it was Kirk Cousins. I didn't think I had anything for a couple of years, and now he's my starting quarterback. Um, so I've gotten lucky there. But now I'm picking because, I, like I said, I have a full roster. I put him in Madden. I simulated a season. We weren't very good. Um, I'm picking seventh now this year. And I have to decide myself, Do I, if Justin Herbert gets there, if Tua Tungvaloa somehow uh, falls a little bit, I'm pulling the trigger on him for sure. But if Herbert is there, do I take Herbert and bet on the upside? I've passed on way too many quarterbacks that I've liked just thinking I'm okay at Kirk Cousins. And I've repeated the Bengals mistakes plenty of times and I hate myself for it. But I don't know if Herbert's the guy that I want to risk it all on again. Well, and that's the problem with not picking at the top is that you have to decide, well, am I going to compromise and take a quarterback that I don't really believe in? That's why it too... I'm still forced to compromise this year because Tua is not healthy. But I'm going to pick right. Tua, and I'm yeah. going to I'm going to skip on Chase Young, and everyone's going to lose their mind. And I'm going to skip on Jeff Akuda. Uh, but I've got Harold Landry, Harold Landry, Josh Sweat, Anthony Nelson at the edge. I've got Justin Lane and Armani Aruway at corner. Still can't say that guy's name. My secondary is good though. I like Derwin James. I, I got Julian Love back there, so I'm going to go the corner or go the quarterback early, and then we'll see what happens in the middle of the round. Hopefully, get a receiver at 19. Like it's right after the Raiders pick, though. I think so. I might miss on the top three receivers there. Yeah, I just did a mock. Um, I did. The, I was on Fan Speak picking seventh where the Panthers pick, and Jeffrey Okuda was still there, so I jumped on him instantly. But because um, neither of the quarterbacks were there, so that's what pushed one down to me but I, I basically need receivers i need running backs i could use a corner and i can use an edge but other than that the team's pretty solid i could use a tackle because i'm playing two guards to tackle right now and dalton reisner and connor williams uh the one other thing i wanted to mention about this is if you don't pick live you get an asterisk mm, because you if you don't pick live you, you could cheat and this isn't about cheating. This is about making the decision when you're on the clock. And, and it's supposed to be, you know, an honest exercise for you to evaluate yourself as, as your evaluations, the people you believe in if you're not doing your own evaluations. And yep. uh, it's just a fun little game. And if you cheat, then it kind of kills, the, kills yeah. the fun. So you hold yourself accountable by, by putting your screenshot up of your pick when you make it or announcing your pick. Yep. on Twitter, and, and then after each day, after each round, you say, all right, here's the pick so far. And then And then you have a, a trail, and if you if you sit there after the draft and you say, hey, this is what I did for my shadow team, I'm going to sit there and think you cheated. Well, and last year during the draft, we on the Lockdown Bengals account on Twitter were like, you know, post your shadow teams here, post your picks here, so that, and people were. There'd be like 
25 people, hey, this is what I'm taking with this this pick. You get a lot of repeats because they're probably listeners of the show. They like a lot of players we like. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and then afterwards you get a lot of flux of people that got these sixth and seventh round value picks that we didn't expect to be there. Um, and I'm like, I don't know if he was doing it on time, which is okay, but try to be honorable when you do it because there is – loopholes obviously you can sit here and go you took harold landry in the first round jake i took him in the second round i didn't well, I had no interest in him until he was there in round two so i got that value but if you played that game and did it afterwards you always end up with really good value doesn't mean you'll have good picks but it will be good value i mean i had i had one really good pick here let me let me go back i, I just jumped over to our draft sheet for a second let's see my best pick is uh mark andrews third round oh yeah the, me too i've got andrews I, I hit that one. That was a good one. Uh, yep. Maurice Hurst, fourth round. Feel good about that pick still. Tim Settle really has been better, I think. I, I was the only – I feel like I was the only person in my Twitter circle that, that believed in Tim Settle. I got him in the fifth round, and the NFL didn't believe in him either, but uh, he's been solid. Yeah, not bad at all. One of my favorite picks was taking Lael Collins. Remember right before the draft there was some I feel questions. like that's cheating. When well, did you take him? I took him in the fifth round. Yeah, that's cheating. At, at, at that, why is that cheating? Because he wasn't going to sign with any NFL team that picked him in the fifth and round. And I and I knew that risk, and I said it on Twitter and with people at, like that were drafting him. And I said, I also, if he's still there in the fifth round, I'm going to take him. I know the risk that he may not sign with anyone, or whatever's going to happen. But I'm going to take that risk now, and I'm going to I'm going to draft him. Anyone could, any team could have called his bluff on that and I virtually or but no actual it. team did, and he signed as an undrafted free agent. That's right. So he I've doesn't count. players that have gone undrafted. He's not on your team. He is on my team. He's not on your team. This is you bullshit. You're you cheating? can't say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you cannot. Because yeah, he, he, he said, I'm not going to sign for any team that drafts me. And, and I then said, he got I'm to calling your team. bluff, and I drafted him. And then he sits out of here. You should have to, you know, you should have to use your Fine. next year's first-round pick on him. Who'd no, you, I who'd you pick next year in the first round? <laughs> I don't even remember what year that was. Uh, hang on. Let me, I do want to see. <laughs> It was 2015, so let me go to my 2016. That would have been Miles Jack. No, fuck you. Right, he's I gone. Jack. He's gone. You don't have him. You use that pick on Leo Collins the next year. Or is it my fifth out. round pick? Lane the no, dirt. no, no. You can have him. Nope, nope. First round pick. He's gone. You don't have Miles Jack. Even I'm Joe cheats at this game, man. I'm not playing by those rules because I knew the risk and I took the risk. There, you had no risk. You were going to say if he signs with an NFL team, he's on my team. He didn't. He signed as an undrafted free agent. You can, and that's the thing too. Also, thanks for bringing up undrafted guys. So when you get to the end of the draft, you're gonna to want to pick some undrafted players. Now you may think it's easy. You could take the uh, anyone's ranking and take those five guys. You're not gonna get a good one. It's good. You really have to look a little bit at it and see who's in good situations and take your time. Take a few days because usually it takes a few days for all the reports to come out and pick. I mean, Jake, I think you picked ten. I've been picking four. I'm about to expand it to maybe at least eight to ten because I keep ending up with nobody out of the undrafted yeah. class, and it's a big part of NFL rosters. So when you get to that point, that's like a bonus, another eight players at least. Go ahead and freely pick those. I got 16 in the last two years, and like three of them I think are on teams. Sky Moore, Deion Calhoun, and TJ Edwards. None of the none of the rest of the guys. Brett Rippian is still on a team, isn't he? Maybe he's yeah. not. Doesn't matter. None of the guys I, I've picked as undrafted guys have stuck on rosters. So that's the shadow team. If you have other questions, uh, I guess you can ask us. Yeah, no, you can ask us. Put them on Twitter. Tomorrow's a mailbag. Maybe ask a question then. 
Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.